All right, well, good morning, Briar Creek AM. Um, coming from Briar Creek PM, I will say that it is very evident right now to me that y'all are very, very Briar Creek AM. <laughs> it is early this morning for me. Usually, right now, me and my wife are uh, sipping on some coffee and eating a Dunkin' Donut at this time. So, uh, what, what I'd like to say hey, that's my little pitch to you. Maybe that's a little reward I can dangle out there. You've heard about Try in July. Uh, we would love for you to come out and be a part of what we're doing on Saturday night. At least just try it for the last couple of weeks of July. So there's my shameless pitch, all right? Um, having taken a break from the Ten Commandments series, the first thing that I want to do this morning is just kind of zoom out a little bit and take that wide perspective again and get what the Ten Commandments are all about. <clears throat> I think that many people in our culture look at the Ten Commandments and we think of them as being restrictive, we think of these Ten Commandments as something that come from a God who doesn't want us to have fun, a God who doesn't want us to have a full life, but I would contend that that is not at all what the Ten Commandments are about. I would say that the Ten Commandments do a lot of things. Um, they show us the character of God. I think they show us what our very heart looks like and that we are sinful. They are a mirror to us. I think that the Ten Commandments show us a way that we can live in freedom, you know, the Ten Commandments didn't come while the children of Israel were in slavery. They came after bondage and after slavery. They are given so that the children of Israel could live in freedom and that we can do the same thing. Deuteronomy 6.24 says that the Ten Commandments were for our good. They were so that we would have life preserved in the land. They are for our good. And you know what? I really think that that even makes sense to the more skeptical that are among us. Because I look at my little girl, and you could see this analogy with me. You know, I, I am the father of an 11-month-old. At 11 months old, I can certainly already tell that this child is bent on rebellion. <laughs> I mean, she really is. At 11 months old, if she doesn't want to eat vegetables, she will smack the spoon out of your hand. If she can get her arms on it, she'll grab it and throw the jar across the room. I'll walk with her across asphalt like on a parking lot, and if she wants to get down, no matter that she's not wearing shoes, it doesn't matter that it's 150 degrees outside and it's blistering hot, she wants to get down. And she'll try to fling herself out of my arms, which is dangerous. I don't know if you've, many of you have not seen my daughter. She's hefty, okay? So it's like, but you would all agree with me that I'm not trying to oppress my little girl. It's not that. I know that it's that to her. I know that in her little mind, which just happens to be in a big old head right now, you know, she's... I know she's cute as all get out, but it's the truth, you know. I know that in her little mind, she's thinking, Daddy, you are holding me back. I want to eat cookies and, and donuts and things like that. I don't want to eat vegetables. I want to get down and walk and play on the ground even though it's 150 degrees outside. You're holding me back from those things, Daddy, but I think you would agree with me. And I would say if I could get inside of her mind, I would say, Baby, I know that it feels that way sometimes to you, but it's not that way. I love you. The things that I put on you are for your good. And as we come to the commandments, they are for our good. As we come this morning, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. We come this morning to the third commandment. Now, for the 10 of you that are in this room that are paying attention, we've done the first commandment. Now we're skipping to the third. Uh, JD will be back with you next week to go over the second commandment. If you brought your graven images with you to burn today in a big bonfire outside. Bring them next week. I think we're going to do that. Um, but he'll be with you next week. Today we come to the third commandment. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. As we come to this commandment, the first thing that I want you to see just before we can even really get into the text is that this is for your good. Now, many of you are going to think about that and you're going to say, hey, 
That's great news for me. The third commandment, don't take the Lord's name in vain, okay? And this is for my good? Well, then this is great news for me. And, and what you're thinking is, because finally, here is a commandment that I don't break. <laughs> I remember the soap in my mouth. I remember the feel of a belt on my hind end when I was a kid and I yelled out the name of the Lord after I stubbed my toe or I was frustrated with something. I remember that. And even from a child, I, I cut that out of my vocabulary. And it hasn't been in my vocabulary anymore. Great news. It's for my good. I don't say the Lord's name of I don't say the Lord's name in vain any longer, but I think, you know what, I think we're missing it a little bit if that's how we define the Lord's name in vain. And I think what we do is we take that application of verbally taking God's name in vain, and we attach that to be the entire definition, but we miss, I think we miss kind of the point of the entire commandment. I think maybe this morning, if we can get the definition right, I think that we can understand and we can come to a an agreement that the application for our lives about not taking the Lord's name in vain, I think is, is far greater if we can see it for what it is, all right? So the first question I have tonight is this. I'm going to say tonight probably 30 times because I'm used to preaching on Saturday nights, okay? This morning is this. What does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? We all read this with me. It's really only one, one, one verse of scripture this morning, but read it with me. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, I'm using a King James Version this morning just because all of us still say thou shalt not only when it comes to the Ten Commandments, but sometimes we do, all right? Don't take the Lord's name in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. So what does it mean? My first question, what does it really mean to take the Lord's name in vain? Well, in short, I would say this. I think taking the Lord's name in vain is misrepresenting who God is and what he is all about. Misrepresenting God and what he is about. If we misrepresent his name, if we take his name in vain, then we misrepresent who our God is, his person, his character, his power, his very presence. We misrepresent that because the name of the Lord is very much wrapped up in who God is. Now you really have to get that for this to make sense. Misrepresenting the name of God is misrepresenting God himself. Taking the Lord's name in vain is, is misrepresenting who he is and what he is about in this world because God really is very much so wrapped up in his own name. You know, the Bible speaks of the name of God and it speaks of it differently um, than I think just what it sounds like. You know, if you think about this, God's name in Russian doesn't sound the way that it sounds in, in English to us. So God's name is not just a formulation of letters that make a sound. There is much more in his name. It speaks to who he is. Now, I think we can get that because many of us kind of still do that in, in some ways. My name is Andrew. If you look up what that means, it means strong. Now, you would know that from looking at me in two seconds with my tremendously athletic physique and chiseled features. My little girl, for instance, is named Hattie Jo. There's a meaning in that name. My grandfather's name Joe. We get that all the time. Why would you have a double name in this day and age for a little girl? Well, my grandfather's name Joe, and that is kind of a family name for us. So in my family, if you look, there is Joe, Joey, Jojo, Perry Joe, Pamela Joe, Allie Joe, Robbie Joe, Tyler Joe, Hattie Joe, all right? It kind of just speaks to who he is. This, is. this is where she comes from. It's who she is. But you know what? Our our God, the way we get that just a little bit, our God is, is much more so because his name speaks to really who he is and what he is about. It speaks to his person. It speaks to his teaching, his power, his presence. And it's impossible for us to disconnect 
the name of God from who he is. And so throughout scripture, if you just kind of look and take a survey, what you end up having all throughout scripture are verses like this. In Psalm 113, you see, blessed be the name of the Lord. In Isaiah 24, you see, give glory to the name of the Lord. Ezekiel 39, God will vindicate what? His name. Acts 2.21, calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Matthew 6, the Lord's prayer says, hallowed be what? Hallowed be your name. We see that in scripture. We not only see it in individual verses, we see it from how the people in the Bible got this. Look at the Israelites. I mean, they understood, hey, when God comes down on that mountain, if we go up and touch that mountain, we will surely die. If we touch that Ark of the Covenant, we will surely die. We understand who God is, his power, his might. We understand that it's wrapped up in his name because we see the mountain, we see the Ark, and you know what? The Israelites wouldn't even write out the full name of God. They had a shorthand version of it because they understood that speaking of God, speaking of his name, it speaks to who he is and is the most powerful and is the most renowned of all. I think what this commandment is getting at for us is saying, look, don't take the Lord's name as if it were worthless. Don't take on the Lord's name onto yourself <clears throat> as if it were disconnected from his power and from his presence because when we do that, we inaccurately represent who God is and what he is all about. Now, I think the opposite of that is what I spoke to earlier. The opposite of that is thinking that I stub my toe and I say the word God, or maybe I curse with that, and that alone is taking the Lord's name in vain. But really what that is, is a manifestation of taking the Lord's name in vain. It's one application of many ways that we misrepresent who God is. See, eliminating that one, if we say the word God in a way lightly, or if we stub our toe and we cuss with that name, we shouldn't do that. I mean, we should el eliminate that because that is one application of how we break this commandment. But if we take that one application and try to make that the definition, and suddenly we miss all these other ways that this commandment breaking goes on and all these other ways that it's manifested throughout our lives and in our hearts. See, I think taking that one, that one application and, and, and missing all the others, I think I can draw an, an illustration like this. Um, there is a cultural phenomenon here in North Carolina called the North Carolina State Fair. I don't know if, you're <coughs> if you've been a part of this or not. Um, I actually never went to the state fair as a kid. We always went to the county fair. Now, there's a big difference in state and county fair. Uh, we never went to the, the state fair was in Jacksonville, Florida. I went to the Clay County Fair in Clay County, Florida. And at the, at the county fair, you have, you have a lot of cool things. You have cow patty bingo. You have bullfrog jumping that's like, you know, racing. You might have gator wrestling if you're lucky or something like that. But here, what, what trumps all of that is the North Carolina State Fair food. I mean, who could ever think about deep frying a candy bar? Who could ever in their right mind think about deep frying a roll of butter? I have never thought about anything like that in my entire life. And suddenly I come to this North Carolina State Fair and I mean, it's just, it's there, boom, it's right in front of me, okay? Now you all know this person and you may be this person, all right? They have the deep fried roll of butter here as they're balancing the funnel cake and the elephant ear here. And they've got the deep fried turkey leg here, which is at least one inch thick of pure skin. There's no meat on it. It's just skin, you know? And they're trying to balance this stuff as they get to the next vendor when they walk up and then they order a Diet Coke. <laughs> and we all know. We all know that person. And, we, and I want to say, you know what? It's, that's great that you're ordering the Diet Coke. It's great that you're cutting the sugary, the, the sugary drink out of your diet. That's wonderful. 
The problem is the Diet Coke is just one manifestation of the problem here. The Diet Coke cutting out, that's good, but it's probably the funnel cake in your arteries that's actually going to kill you. It's probably not the Diet Coke so much. So it's good to eliminate the Diet Coke, but I think we need to realize that the problem is much bigger than just the Diet Coke. And I think here it's, it's, it's very similar when we, when we look at that and we start to think, you know what, we can, we can see these, these individual manifestations. Maybe we say the word God in a moment of anger. That is, that is something that needs to be eliminated, but the reality is, is it's, it's a much bigger issue than that, and I think it works itself out in many ways. So, you know, I think after we get the definition, the next logical thing to do is to ask, okay, I think we've got it. I think we see that it's a little bit bigger than maybe we've seen it before. So the question then is, are we guilty of breaking this commandment? Do we take the Lord's name in vain in light of the definition that we have tried to establish? How specifically are we guilty here? Well, you know, we take on God's name onto ourselves. Literally, the name Christian means Christ one. We take that name onto ourselves, but then here's the rub. We live our lives out into the world in a way that misrepresents that name. We might live our life in a way that misrepresents who God is and therefore takes his name in vain. I have a lot of applications here. A lot of things that may hit you, they may not, but I think that through seeing them, we'll start to see, oh yeah, now I'm starting to see how many different kind of ways this can work itself out. Think about a few of these. We try to make our name famous even after having taken the name of Christ on. We try to make our name famous rather than God's name famous. Even after taking God's name, even after understanding that it is God's name that should be rung out and sung to the nations, it is the name of Christ that goes out to the nations, we want our name to go out there. We want our name to be famous. <clears throat> Suddenly, we inverse the famous words of John the Baptist in John 3.30, and we say, God, I want my name to increase. I want to increase. I want you to decrease. And we misrepresent who God is in that way after we have taken on his name. What about this? What about swearing by God's name, knowing that an oath won't be fulfilled? We use language very, careful, very carelessly. Many times we will, we will just kind of ring out, I swear to God in something that we know is not going to be fulfilled, or at least it's just not going to be fulfilled. We swear to God a name that can never be broken, a name that can never lie, whose word will never be broken, and then we break the oath. It could be in something major. It could be in divorce, marriage, break, broken marriage vows. It could be in something small like just not following through with our word. Even Jesus deepens this commandment for us in Matthew 5, 37, when he says, don't swear by God's name. Don't swear at all. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why? Because you've already taken the name of God on you. And when you take the name of God on you and you say, I will do something, if you don't do it, then you are misrepresenting who God is already. Don't be careless with our language. What about this? We associate God's name with things that it ought not be associated with. Now, this would be something like the Crusades, trying to rally people around a cause when God might not be all that enthused about what is going on. And you say, well, that's the Crusades. How could we ever be doing that now? How many times are people trying to rally each other around a certain political position using the name of God? Is that something that he may not want his name associated with? Is that misrepresenting who he is? What about this? What about speaking on behalf of God when he actually hasn't spoken at all? Now, we know that. Our society is built on that. Laws are built on that a lot of the ways. You know, you can't have identity theft. Forgery is that way, speaking on behalf of someone. Think about if your Facebook account or if your MySpace account, hopefully you don't have a MySpace account. MySpace is very creepy. But if you have a Facebook account 
and, and, and then it gets hacked into and somebody sends messages all over and you're saying, I didn't say that. That's not me. It looks like it's from me, but it's not me. We do this all the time. We misrepresent God and what he has said. We take his name in that way, in vain in that way. Guys, how many times have you ever told a girl you were breaking up with her because you felt like God was leading you to, kind of to end the relationship or to move on? How many times have you uh, quit a job and then and taken to your boss, you just kind of said, well, I think the Lord's telling me to move on. I'm not saying God doesn't speak, but what I am saying is that we throw that around a whole lot because it makes things easier. It's the trump card, God told me to do it, when maybe he hasn't spoken at all. Sometimes we misrepresent God's name in that way. How about this? We slap God's name on merchandise all the time. All right, let's have a little bit of fun with this one. Thou shalt not take my, thou shalt be very careful when you put my name on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. I think God could say that. You know, I see all these t-shirts and bumper stickers all the time. Please don't be offended. Let me have a little bit of fun with this. But, I mean, Jesus is my homeboy. Really? You know, I mean, the picture of Jordan, and instead of Jordan, it says, Air Jesus, the ultimate high. Really? Um, bumper stickers all the time. You see these. God is my co-pilot. Are you following God this close on the back of a car? Um, what about church signs? We see this stuff. Come to our Holy Ghost weenie roast. My favorite church sign of all time by far is stop, drop, and roll doesn't work in hell. <laughs> I, think <that's, clears throat> I think that's my favorite because it certainly is true. And that's funny because it's true. Um, I'm being lighthearted here. You know, I'm, I'm kind of being lighthearted. I, I want you to see that, you know what, we all do this. We all have our things like that. But I think the reality is that we need to be careful as we stick God's name on things. Are we using God's name as an advertising gimmick sometimes? And I stress that sometimes. Is that misrepresenting who God is? A couple of quick ones. We use God's name lightly. Now look, I'm kind of busting on this idea that we think, God, we think taking the Lord's name on vain is just speaking it out in anger. But you know what? It is taking the Lord's name in vain. And that is an application and a manifestation of how we do that. We blurt things out. We might stub our toe. What if someone curses? You see this on TV all the time. People are cursing something when they get mad. They stub their toe and it's GD something. Really? You really want God to damn that table to hell? No, you don't. They have nothing to do with that. You are taking his name lightly. You are just saying it in vain. And it's sin. We don't worship in a way that honors God's name. We come in after taking on the name of Christ and we worship in a lackadaisical way. Our worship is kind of lazy sometimes and sloppy and we come in late and we text through the service and and you know what, in light of what has been done for us, in light of the fact that we can take on God's name, and then we do that, it misrepresents who God is. Now how about this, we openly live a life of sin and rebellion after having taken on God's name. I knew this boy in high school, super redneck kid, at least, at least tried to be, you know. I mean it was perfect, it was the Wranglers, Carhartts, always had tobacco in his mouth, belt buckles, cows, rope in, the whole thing. It was kind of one of these guys that had to portray the image, like would go home and put a dip can in his back pocket and then put sandpaper on it, you know, so you would see the skull ring in the back so you would know that he was a redneck. Fighting, all that kind of stuff. But along with that came this idea that he was a Christian because that's just what kind of you do in the South, right? But the, the problem with that is his, his life looked just like the world. I mean, it was fighting, it was a different girl all the time, I mean, it was, it, was out, it, was, it was drunkenness, it was racism, it was all this kind of stuff. One day we were at baseball practice, and I was a little bit younger than this guy, and uh, I missed a ball or whatever. I know it's hard to believe, <laughs> but I, missed, I actually missed a, missed a ball or something like that. And, uh, man, I just kind of said, gosh, you know, I missed a ball. And this dude stops me and says, hey, Bo, we don't take the name of the Lord in vain around here. 
I'm going, are you kidding me? I mean, even to this day, are you joking? I mean, yeah, you don't take the Lord's name in that way around here, but your life is an open rebellion against God. Every breath you're taking just about is an open rebellion of taking the Lord's name in vain because you slap that name of Christ on your chest. You say, I am one of God's, and then you live in this way in open rebellion and in open sin. And you call me out for saying, gosh, I mean, are you kidding me? Open rebellion and sin, we take the Lord's name in vain. We misrepresent who he is. Last one, we make up a bunch of rules in the name of God. This is what the Pharisees did. In Luke 18, you see a Pharisee who wants to fast more than the law tells him to. He wants to tithe more than the law tells him to because it's a way of functional righteousness for him. We make a bunch of rules. And you know what we do? When we make a bunch of rules and we start checking off lists, we preach a message to the world that you can get to God by following a bunch of rules. And that misrepresents who God is. That's not the gospel. We take on the name of God and then we try to check off lists and make a bunch of rules and preach that to the world. We misrepresent who he is. Listen, that's a bunch of different applications. I don't know if some of them hopefully hit you, some of them may not, but at least you can see something with me this morning. Y'all, you can see that we do this. We are third commandment breakers. When seen in the proper framework of what this truly is and the definition of taking the Lord's name in vain, you will see that we do this all of the time. You say, I'm not a Christian. I say, you were created in the image of God. You were created for him and for his glory. And in that way, when you misrepresent what he is about, you misrepresent God, you take the Lord's name in vain. And for you that are a Christ follower, you see all of these different manifestations of how we do this. Y'all, we are third commandment breakers. Suddenly, the one commandment that we thought we had on lock gets flipped, and we realize in the words of Dr. Al Mohler, this is probably the commandment that we all break most often. Why am I getting animated about it? Why am I trying to be so serious to show you you break it? Well, listen, because Exodus 20 verse 7 doesn't end with, hey, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Look at it again with me. Exodus 20 verse 7 actually has another part to it. Here's what it says. It says, yeah, don't take the Lord's name in vain. But it says, I will not hold him guiltless that takes the Lord's name in vain. I want you to see that you're a third commandment breaker, that I am a third commandment breaker, that we have done that because in being a third commandment breaker, God will not hold us guiltless for it. In Genesis 2, the scripture is clear. God has told us that if we sin, we deserve death. And in breaking the third commandment, we sin, and God will not hold us guiltless for it. Is there a way out of this guilt? How do we get out of this guilt? We do this. I've asked three questions, okay? I said, what is taking the Lord's name in vain? Misrepresenting who God is. All right? And then we went on and we said, do we do this? Are we guilty of this? I think it is a resounding yes. I think we do this. I think we break this commandment. Third and final question. Can Jesus Christ spring us from this guilt? Yes, he can. Jesus Christ can bring, spring us from this guilt for a very simple reason. It is because he is the only person in history that has ever lived up to the name that God gave him. Jesus lived up to the name that God gave him. He did justice to the name Christian. His whole life was about this. What, Jesus, what is your name? Who are you? 
and he lived up to it, even to the point of his death in Matthew 26 when they said, are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And he took that name all the way to the cross because that's who he was. In the gospel, because of what Jesus has done for us, in the gospel, because Jesus was a perfect man, he never took the name Lord, the Lord of the name in vain. Because of that, we can be sprung from our guilt. Jesus came to this earth and he lived a perfect life. Jesus never took the name of God in vain at all. But then he died a death that I had been condemned to die anyway. He absorbed in his perfect life the curse of my death. There was a curse because of my sin. Justice demanded that it be paid. And Jesus stood in my place. Christ died. He suffered. Justice was served. But because he was an innocent man, because Jesus was an innocent man who died a cursed death, I can be released from my curse. He shared in my death, I can be resurrected and live in him. He died for me, I can live for him. On the cross, Jesus wore my name. See, my name was one of sin and guilt and condemnation. My name was one that says, I take the Lord's name in vain all the time. I am a third commandment breaker. That is who I am. Jesus said, I'll swap names with you. I'll wear your name and go to the cross so that you can wear my name, guiltless, perfect, never sinned, never broke the third commandment. We'll switch. He was held guilty even though he was guiltless so that we who are guilty, guilty could be held guiltless. That is the gospel. Do you see the irony that is there? Jesus ultimately died. He goes to a cross for the very purpose of the name that he claimed. He died for that, but he was right. And now for salvation, we call on that very name that he was killed for, for our salvation. He stood in our place. That's the gospel. So what's the implication of the gospel here for us this morning? Quickly. Well, we know the name of Jesus is sufficient for salvation. He didn't take the Lord's name in vain. We have. He switched our place. Jesus' name is sufficient for us for salvation. Ministry then, as we have all hopefully, many of us have partaken in, even over the last week, ministry then is done for the purpose of making Jesus' name famous throughout the world because it is his name that is sufficient for salvation. Summit, you are part of a church who just mobilized thousand people to go out into the community and to serve. You are part of a church who helps churches be planted all over the world, in the U.S., across the world. You are part of a church who gives away tons of resources every single year for one purpose. It is so that the name of Christ, because it is sufficient for salvation, because of the gospel and what he did for us, because of that switch that has occurred, and being Jesus who is not a third commandment breaker, and I was, we want to see his name be famous throughout the world. Because in claiming the name of the one who never misrepresented God, we who have misrepresented God and taken his name in vain can be covered. And that is a message that the world needs to hear. So how do we conclude this message? Well, let's move into a time of, of just kind of wrapping it up. And the third commandment we've seen I think many of us take this one application and we, and we think that is what it means. That, we take that application as a definition. I hope we've busted that and we realize 
that you know what, when we do that, we miss the heart of the commandment, which is really to reveal, revere, and to really make famous and to really you know, put, put God's reputation and his name out there, not misrepresenting it, not mischaracterizing it, but for what it is. So for you who in this room that may not be a believer, let me say this. Maybe this morning you have heard the gospel for the very first time. Maybe you have very first time, or at least heard it, really heard it, for the first time this morning, you would say, I get it. A guiltless man was held guilty so that I being guilty could be held guiltless. I get that. You know, Paul speaks of these commandments as being a mirror so that we look into that mirror and we see our own sinfulness. By his grace, the commandment's forgiven. By his grace, God says, don't take the name of the Lord in vain so that you will know and that you will see in that mirror that you are a commandment breaker. Maybe you've seen that. And you realize, man, I don't live up to what God has for me. I need a Savior. Will you accept this gospel message today? Would today be the day that you accept the gospel message and you would say, God, I believe that Jesus came and died in my place. I believe that he was held guilty for me. And I want to live in him. If you would do that, there's an insert in your worship guide. You can look at that later where you can check off and, and write your name down. And we would love to get in contact with you about that and get a chance to speak with you about it. But you know what, for those of you in the room that are believers, I'm hoping that this message would give you one of these moments where you say, man, I, I realize this. I realize that I do this. Maybe this commandment that I thought I was kind of good on, that I had on lock, so to speak, is one that, man, maybe one that I break all the time. You know, this week was the first time in my life that I've ever sat down, and it was because of all the study that went into this message, that I've ever sat down in my prayer and said, God, I pray that you will keep me from the temptation of taking your name in vain today. Maybe you have one of those moments and you say, I, I see that, that I do this. What's the answer? How do I not do this anymore? Well, I mean, what do I do? Do I just start making lists of things that I don't need to do? I don't need to take his name lightly. I don't need to associate it with things I shouldn't be associated with. I need to think twice before putting it on a bumper sticker or whatever. Do I think about just manning up and say, man, I'm going to cowboy up and not, not do this anymore? I'm just going to not do it anymore. I don't think that's it. I think what you need to hear, I think what I'm kind of wrestling with and what I've been wrestling with this week is that we need to realize that we are prone to wonder these commandments show us how prone to wonder we are and we are prone to take the Lord's name in vain. And what we do is we recognize the greatness of the name of God, that it speaks salvation over us, that it speaks love and mercy and grace over us. And we realize that it's, it's really true. Great is his name and greatly to be praised. And I think seeing his name for what it is, I think that puts us on the path of sanctification in this area. And then we live, in a, we live a life of, of reverence and honor to the name of God, not misrepresenting it at all, not taking it in vain at all. All right? Will you all pray with me? Father God, as I have had that moment this week where I realized that I have gone from one who maybe thought about this commandment very little, that I need to think about it a lot. Maybe this is the one that many of us in this room break most often. God, maybe this is the commandment that we, that we break most of the time. Father, will you reveal that to us? God, will you convict our hearts even this morning? God, will you move in us 
Or will that be that prayer where we say, God, I, I realize that your name is great, that you are greatly to be praised. And in seeing that, in that light, God, then I realize that misrepresenting who you are is not what I want to do at all. In Christ's name we pray.